0: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Captain's Log. The show devoted to discussions and insights into pop culture with an emphasis on cinema and the occasional themed episodes. This is your captain speaking, Jose Valle, and it's time for us to begin our transmission. Welcome back everybody to another episode of Captain's Log. Today we're taking a look at a romantic comedy set amidst the backdrop of Armageddon, Seeking a Friend for the End of the World. Before we get into the news of the week, I would like to take a minute and update you all on some things. For starters, I may sound a little different today. I'm not recording on my traditional microphone. I'm back in the, well, where the show all began, back in the radio station studio here at wpu uh, which has now been redecorated renamed and uh refurbished it's now it used to be the kitchen when i used to be a radio host here it was um ooh, i think it was 90 or 87.5 or something like that the kitchen and now it's and it used to be some weird letters but now it's kwp 90.5 fm the latter so that's cool uh but now I'm back in here today. Um, normally, the way my my recording schedule goes is I'll uh, rec- I'll write the show over the weekend, and if I can, I record Sundays. But most of the time, I find myself recording Monday and editing day of. Uh, and most of most of, of the time, I I record the show early on Monday and then edit at night. Uh, and I come in here uh, to the Musco Technology Center here at William Penn. Uh, where I do my recording and I go into our little uh, audio editing bay. Not technically a recording room, but it's an editing bay. Um, but it's just small and it's out of the way because I come when there's people, so it's nice because there's no noise or whatever. But today we actually had Joe Biden on campus here in the MTC, the Musco Technology Center. So that derailed all my plans because there was a ton of people. So I had to wait until they were done and I figured, yeah, you know what, I'm going to record this in my room. Go to my room, I have my microphone, I try to rec- I try to sit down and record look, my roommates are fine people, but they're kind of the worst people to live with if you want to do something like this. They're constantly making noise uh, and and blasting their very bad music all the time. So I was like, I can't do this. And so I was like, well, I'll get recording equipment and I'll uh, record somewhere down there in one of the rooms. Thankfully, though, they just installed this l- nice little nifty corner here in the radio station uh, for audio recording, sort of this podcast setting, which is nice. So I figured I'll just come in here and do it. And so that's a lot of explanation that you probably didn't care about. But I not. it's fun. I'm excited to do this. I think I might start recording it here because it's a nice setup. They've got these couches and these super nice microphone stands with decent microphones on them. I don't know. This is kind of fun. We'll see. Uh, but, yeah, the other updates are um, my two short films, Static and The Shadows, which I talked about on the show, uh, are finally out and available for you all to watch. On my YouTube channel, I'll link them in the show notes. Um, I've decided to enter static into some short film festivals, uh, and since my co-writer and friend of the podcast, Max Benyon, and I are both uh, bro college students, we asked our friends and followers on our social media to uh, just donate whatever they could to help us cover the entrance fees for those festivals. So, right now, I would like to uh, thank all the people that donated. Um, I would like to first thank my mother and father. Mother and father, man, look at me. I sound so proper. I'd like to thank my uh, my mom and dad, uh, Maria and Jose Valle Senior. Um, not only did they help cover costs for the entrance fees, and uh, but they also helped us out with some equipment costs towards the end of our production. Most of the production was was self-funded, but you know I was working in the summer, so I was every paycheck I'd get, I'd be funneling into equipment costs. Eventually, got to a point where. We had to get it done. I didn't have money saved. I had used all my savings. I had used all my money that I'd gotten paid, and so they helped cover like the end of production, which was this, was crucial. If we hadn't gotten it done, then then the project would have been dead in the water for a couple months until I was back in Utah to finish it. And so super super grateful to them. Um, so ma pa, muchas gracias por eso. Uh, I would also like to thank the following people. Aniel Ramirez, David Vasquez, Macy McClellan, Jesus Romo, Andrew Palomar, Caden Crabb, Alberto Fonseca, Cole Jones, Emily Thompson, Jessica Baxter, Sidney Jensen, Spencer Nelson, Carson Baird, Clayton Peterson, Holly Mills, and finally, Kenji Hemuli, for donating whatever amount they could and helping us submit static to eight film festivals across the country. We won't hear from those festivals for some time, but when I do, I will update you all on the situation, and again, a huge thanks to all the people that donated. Uh, it means the world to to, to me, and I'm sure uh, I can't really speak for uh, for Max, but to me, it especially means the world that you guys sort believe in me enough to to pitch over whatever money you can uh, and 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 support this this dream of mine and and support me on this journey. While I'm thanking people, I would also like to thank all of you, all the listeners. Uh, We are almost at a thousand downloads, which might not be much, but it means the world to me that people have continuously tuned into this show. I don't know how many uh, listeners I have. The statistics on my different uh, websites that I use to track this are a little dodgy. and I'm going to just say this right now. I love Apple Podcasts. I love it. That's where I get all my podcasts from, but they have kind of one of the worst podcasts. Podcast statistic uh, analytics thing for podcasters ever. And I know it's technically still a beta, and that makes sense because it's horrible. Spotify's is so much better, and Spotify's tells you everything you need to know. Apple's, I'm up to almost 20 episodes out, but for whatever reason, it still thinks I've only released 13 episodes. So that's awesome. But anyway, I'm not trying to bash on anything, but I'm just saying, at the very least, I know that we've gotten close to 1,000 downloads overall, which again, might not be much. I've you know this podcast has been out since June, July, so that's you know it's a couple of months, and that might not be much. But to me, that that's more than enough. And so I really, really am thankful to you from wherever you're listening. It means the world to me that you even tune in to hear my stupid voice talk about ramblings of movies. So thank you, thank you, thank you. The last thing I would like to update you all on is that with the current way that my life is going with the mixture of school and work, I've decided that in order to be able to put out the best quality episodes that I can, I will be cutting back from weekly episodes to instead two episodes a month. So bi-weekly episodes. I just think that in doing this, I will be able to put more energy and time into each episode. Uh, and, and I'm a firm believer that if you're going to do something, you should do it right. You know, no half-assing, but instead full. Assing. Now, let's get into the news of the week. Did you see the news that Kevin Smith will be hosting a new post-show talk show for the CW that will deal with the angles in the episodes of the Arrowverse's upcoming crossover event, Crisis on Infinite Earths? The show, titled Crisis Aftermath, will air on December eighth and December tenth. Honestly. It's a good choice to have Smith helm this special project since the film writer director has also written a large number of comic books, owns a comic book store, and uh, had a comic-centric TV show. So perfect guest for this, um, or yeah, perfect uh, host for this. And yeah, that'll be fun to watch. Uh, did you see the news that SNL and Broadway actress Laurel Griggs uh, has died at the age of 13? According to a memorial page dedicated to the young actress, she passed on November 5th, and funeral services uh, were held for her over the weekend on November 8th. Currently, the cause of her death is unknown. She was born in 2006 and made her Broadway debut in Cat on a Hot Tin Roof when she was only six years old. She went on to star in the popular theatrical experience once, where she portrayed the character of Ivanka for 17 months, making her the longest-running actress to tackle the role on Broadway, it's a real sad thing uh, when when talent, especially young talent's life, is uh, ended so suddenly. And um, you know we can only offer, and I can only offer my condolences uh, to her family. This time it's a tragedy, and it sucks that it happened. Um, such a talented life cut so young. Uh, we're gonna be moving on to the next piece of news. Did you see the news that Terminator Dark Fate? just keeps getting hit with more and more bad news. It had a disappointing opening last week and a sharp drop in its second weekend at the box office. Terminator Dark Fate opened last weekend to $29 million at the domestic box office, according to Forbes. It made only $2.8 million on Friday, November 8th, marking a 73% drop from opening day on November 1st. That's the worst for a Terminator Friday opening. But if we're getting technical about it, Terminator Salvation decided to open on a Thursday and had an 80% drop in its next Thursday. That was in 2009. Maybe it should have been a hint. Uh, I still haven't seen Dark Fate. So I (laughs) I won't say anything about it yet or how the franchise needs to maybe just take a break, like a long break. I don't know. Did you see the news that Kevin Feige just confirmed that the new Disney Plus show stars Miss Marvel, She-Hulk, and Moon Knight will all be appearing on the big screen in MCU movies after their Disney Plus debut? Uh, Feige also revealed that fans will need to watch the upcoming MCU Disney Plus series if they wish to understand what is going on in the upcoming movies. And a lot of people, (laughs) a lot of people were kind of... Uh, triggered about this uh, look I don't mind it I, that is, that's kind of what they tried to do with the the old uh, TV run Ag- agents of shield helped uh, fill in the gaps of, of a lot of the movies and I didn't mind it I think if you're a re- you know if you're a real fan and I get that it's time consuming or whatever but you're gonna be watching if you're a real fan a real actual dedicated fan then you don't mind watching these extra things you know like movies come out two years I- apart from each other whatever like it's fine. You'll have the time to watch them. A lot of these are only like 10, 13 episode series. You know, I think people think that we need to binge things, you know, and you can space it out, but I'm saying it's fine. I don't mind this. I think it's awesome, and I'm all for it. Uh, we also now know that the upcoming Loki series will uh, tie into Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, just like WandaVision is set to tie in as well. Now, I'm sure you've seen the heaps of news that has come out in connection to Martin Scorsese's, and yes, I say Scorsese, uh, opinion on the MCU and whether or not their films constitute as cinema, referring to them as theme parks, uh, saying, quote, It isn't the cinema of human beings trying to convey emotional psychological experiences to another human being. And though a lot of stars weighed in on the issue, there was one key figure who remained quiet. Kevin Feige, uh, architect of the MCU until now. Kevin Feige, uh, Marvel Chief Creative Officer and the architect of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, is now sharing his first public comments about the Scorsese debate in a wide-ranging conversation with the Hollywood Reporter Awards columnist Scott Feinberg on the latest episode of the Awards Chatter podcast, saying, quote, I think... That's not true. I think it's unfortunate, Feige says when asked about the notion that superhero movies are a a negative for cinema. I think myself and everyone who works on these movies loves cinema, loves movies, loves going to the movies, loves to watch a communal experience in a movie theater full of people. Now, Scorsese made some good points in his critique of how, because of the success of the MCU, uh, no franchise films are uh, finding it difficult to find success but he also said that they have no real stakes. So I want to point that out because I, you know, I, I definitely did my research because at first I was taken aback by his whole thing. Did my research, I read his his things, and he does bring a fair point that because of, 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 of Marvel's new structure, it is actually becoming very, very hard for non-franchise uh, movies, independent films, these sort of cinematic experiences, these thematic stories to, to find as much success as... Uh, as these Marvel movies. For instance, Jojo Rabbit, uh, talented director, Taiko Atiti's n- newest film. I was looking at some numbers and it's, I'm sure for them, that's great. To, to, but they were, it was in the low millions. And I was like, that's insane. There's no way a movie like that, which is, which is, you know, this fun, good movie about a good message, should be making that much money. But again, it's because people have now become grown accustomed to, I want to go see the latest blockbuster. I want to go see Iron Man. I don't care about this other stuff. And so I get that. I get that. But again, he also said they have no real stakes. What's not there is revelation, mystery, or genuine emotional danger. Scorsese wrote in his *Times* piece: "Nothing is at risk. The, pitch, the pictures are made to satisfy." I love how he says the pictures. The pictures are made to satisfy a specific set of demands, and they are designed as variations on a finite number of themes. But Feige has long maintained that Marvel Studios seeks to make different types of films, and over the years has touted two thousand. Uh, 15's Ant-Man as a heist film in 2014's Captain America, The Winter Soldier, as a political thriller. In response to Scorsese, Faye brings up more recent examples of the risks the studio has taking, noting that Marvel hasn't made an Iron Man film since 2013, and instead pitted Robert Downey Jr.'s Tony Stark against Chris Evans' Captain America in 2016's Captain America Civil War. We did Civil War. We had our two most popular characters get into a very serious theological and physical altercation, Feige says. We killed half of our characters at the end of the movie Avengers Infinity War. I think it's fun for us to take our success and use it to take risks and go in different places. Now, here's my, <laughs> my whole two cents on this situation, and I don't want to offend anyone. Look, at, first and, and utmost, I am a, I am a cinema fan, I am a movie fan, I love comics for sure but when it comes to it, I will always choose the, the side of, of, of movies but that being said, I am on the MCU side here as an aspiring filmmaker and yeah, as an aspiring filmmaker, I understand where Scorsese is coming from and I appreciate some of the points that he said at the same time for him to sort of, and I know that these aren't his exact words, but it's, it's, it's very much what he's hinting at for him to come out and essentially say, "Yeah, you like those MCU movies, the fun, but the dumb. There's nothing to them and I—that's <laughs> how Scorsese talks in my head. No, but for him to essentially come out and say, "Yeah, you li- like these movies are, are fun and all, but but they're nothing great and they're nothing spectacular. There's no real emotion or no no real human connection to them. They're just they're just like little theme parks. They have fun and that's it. There's no afterthought. There's nothing. No real effort put into them." For him to essentially say that is not only belittling and offensive, but it's ridiculous. Not all of the MCU's films are great. I will give you that. There are some real duds in there. I, I, I love them all because they're fun, but I don't appreciate them all. But there are some movies in their roster that are phenomenal. I mean, the Guardians of the Galaxy James Gunn put so much work and effort and emotion into those movies for Scorsese to say that the 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 two Guardian films are nothing but 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 a little thrill, a little acceleration, a little uh, uh adrenaline is ridiculous. I mean, you're you're trying to you're un, you're basically denoting or, or you're you're uh you're just destroying all of the these person's accomplishments and 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 the work that they've put in. Again, for example, I love that uh, that Feige brought up uh, Civil War. I think that's one of the best, if not the best, superhero movie to have ever been made. Because there is, and, and, and Captain Midnight, if you really want to know why I believe this, go watch Captain Midnight, or not, sorry, not Captain Midnight, Mr. Sunday Movies video on uh, why Captain America is the best superhero film. It was done by his editor, Ben, Ben from Canada, follow him on Twitter, great guy. But he goes on to point out why Captain America is so great, then more... the and, and there are some real deep emotional cinematic thematic elements in that movie and, and again it, it kind of shows you the movies that Marvel cares about because they're the ones that they put in the most work and effort into but still I think it's unfair for Scorsese to say this I think it's very unfair. If you have a thing against Marvel, that's fine. Cool. Say, you know what, I have a thing against corporate greed and I have a thing against Marvel and Disney and what they stand for, what they represent. But don't you come in here and 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 try to basically attack or or belittle these directors who pour their heart and energy and soul in the crew members and cast where so much work goes into this. That's fine, man. Hate 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 the big guys, but you as a filmmaker. Should know better than to, than to, I mean, it's it's it sucks because it's, you know, James Gunn came out and said, like, uh, James Gunn and Joss Whedon, one of those two said, like, it sucks because they, they idolize him and, and they revere him, and he's essentially saying, yeah, your, your work is fine, it's fun, but it's nothing, it's no real cinema like my stuff. Like I'm, I'm sorry, Marty. That not everybody loves movies about unions and garbage men and and uh, 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 gangsters in New York. Like those are fun. Those are great. I'm not trying to belittle his work. Wolf of Wall Street, Taxi Driver, phenomenal, phenomenal films. That's fine. But I'm saying, what I'm trying to the point. I guess the point I'm trying to get at, and it's taking me forever to get to this, is that it's just sick to me that this. It's 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 getting. I'm getting real sick of the fact that this is continuing. If he had said it f- the first time. Fine, whatever, leave it alone. But what we're seeing here is that classic, and my buddy and I, Mason, were talking about this, is this is that classic boomer thing <laughs> of of ba- basically being like, ah, you kids with your newfangled, and he's just shaking his fist at the ah, well, my back in my day. The whole idea of cinema, and the only way cinema stays alive is for it to adapt and tell new stories and do new things. If we're continuously putting out the same type of movie that's that Scorsese loves and reveres, it is sort of his approach to storytelling, then cinema's going to die out. People like me are never going to get to make movies because those stories have already been told and nobody wants to tell those stories again and, and audiences don't want to watch those stories again. Does that make sense? I think he is allowed to have his opinion and he's allowed to say that. And, and a, a Marvel movies are fun, but a lot of them are not Oscar winners. Guys, I love those movies, but they're not Oscar winners. They're not great, uh, life-changing experiences. And I'm sure for some for some of you, they are, and I'm not taking that away from you, but I'm saying... Marvel movies are fun, so I think both sides here have to take a look at this argument. Scorsese needs to let people enjoy what they want to enjoy, and the people backing him, same thing, people like different things, it's fine, you don't have to keep going on about it, he needs to just stop, he keeps bringing this up, and maybe it's on purpose or whatever, but people are allowed to enjoy what they want to enjoy. And people are allowed to criticize what they want to criticize. So at the same time, the Marvel fandom that has jumped at his throat, this man is a pioneer. We we can't just be like, well, he's he's dumb and whatever. Marvel films are fun, guys, but they're not these masterpieces. But see, see, that's the difference that I'm saying here. I'm not saying that they're not cinema. I think they are cinema, and I think a lot of work goes into them. But I don't think that they're necessarily movies that are going to be revered in history. Not all of them. Some. Maybe. Hopefully. But that's how he should have approached it. Like that. By saying, hey, they're not for me. I think some, you know, they're not great pieces that are going to be revered. And, and I think it's wrong that Disney owns all of entertainment now. And, uh, and uh, you know, they're making it hard for little directors to, 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 to make a name for themselves. That would have been fine. But for him to be like, they're theme parks. They're dumb whatever, man, okay, boomer, like, it's, you, whatever, anyway, and I, I know I went on that huge, long rant, I'm sorry, but it's been boiling in my mind, and maybe it was super incoherent, but I just needed to, to say it, so, whatever, and with that, we wrap up this short and, you know, scarce news week, there wasn't really much news, um, and we move on to recommendations, <laughs> sorry about that rant, I feel bad about it now, but uh, let's get into, uh, check this out. Right, it's been a minute since I've last recommended something, uh, so you know I've really brought my A-game this time around, so uh, let's get into it. First on the list is a beautiful, beautiful uh, movie by the name of Juno, starring Ellen Page and uh, uh, M- Michael Sarah. If you haven't seen this movie, essentially it's a story of this teenager, Juno, who becomes pregnant. And she tries to, uh, she finds a couple to give her baby up for adoption, and it's kind of sort of her journey going through this situation. Michael Sear is the father, uh, but she doesn't really kind of want anything to do with him, because uh, she, th- she feels it was just like a one-night thing. Um, this movie is so, 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 so good. It's a very artistic, um, it's a very artsy film, I would say. Uh, it's very, you know, sort of indie kind of coming of age, kind of real human emotion kind of movie. It's fun. Some great performances all around. J.K. Simmons is in it. Jason Bateman, um, uh, uh, geez, uh, Ben Affleck's ex, um, God, why do I always forget her name? Um, Jennifer Gardner, uh, she's also in it, um, And it's just really good. I just what I really liked about it was Ellen Page is amazing in it. She's hilarious, phenomenal. But you get you really get to see her, her deal with the situation. And I'm not gonna give too much detail because I really this is one that like I don't want to spoil. And you guys should really check out. But you really get to see how she's sort of handling the situation, and it's just a fun experience. But at the same time, you know it's kind of a real punch in the gut some of the stuff that happens, and it's real. You know there's real sort of sadness and melancholy but overall it's just sort of a fun thrill ride of of uh this 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 peek into this this uh this young lady's life uh it's really good check it out it's on hulu uh as of right now so go go watch that next up is another movie that again is sort of and I guess that's sort of the theme for for today I didn't even realize it but but this also sort of follows that idea of human emotion and human connection being the driving forces of a movie uh this is a movie that'd been recommended to me for a long time. I never checked it out until just recently. Um it's called The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. It's a film starring Ben Stiller, directed by Ben Stiller, and it's a story of this regular, boring uh uh you know, office worker guy Walter Mitty who struggles with his real life and real interactions. And so, in, so he instead lives in this made up fantasy world of his, where he's constantly, you know, tuning out to, to tune into this fantastical uh, world where he imagines himself as a hero and doing all the things he wants to do. Um, and maybe that's why I related to it so much. Cause growing up, I was very much that sort of person, you know, I struggled to, especially in my junior high years, I really struggled to, to connect with people. So I would rather just make up scenarios and go talk to them and it's sad but but it happens to a lot of us uh so i really liked that aspect of the movie um i'm not going to give too much away on this one either uh so but the things that that make me want to recommend this is first of all the cinematography and the imagery in this movie is beautiful just absolutely beautiful the colors are just so damn vibrant the locations oh my god because okay so basically he's a very mundane guy he works at this uh uh they used to be a real publication magazine or a photo journal photo journalism magazine by the name of life and actually one of this app that i'm a part of kind of a plug here but not not really because i'm not being sponsored or paid by them but this app that i'm a part of called day flash which is an app where you if it's a sort of community and i recommend if you're a photographer or a creator you definitely download and join it it's a community where you can share stories through photography and stuff. Anyway, this app was very much modeled on it, so life had a huge cultural impact on America. Anyway, so he works there, right, as a, a guy who, um, uh, I don't even know how to describe his job, uh, but basically he, um, he works with film, and so he's worked with this one uh, uh, photographer for the entire time that he's been there, um, and he's, and and the publication is going to be shut down. So the photographer he sends him his last reel, and he's like, "Hey, number twenty-five. This is like my life's work, and I think it perfectly in, encapsulates life." They check the film roll; twenty-five is not there. They can't get a hold of this photographer because he's always traveling all over the world. And Walter's job and everybody else's job sort of depends on him finding twenty-five because it's meant to be the last cover. For the the uh, the magazine because it's being the magazine is being restructured into an online publication, so he goes on this on this on this trip across the world trying to find this guy and sort of comes out of his shell along the way and it's real fun and that's it all I'll say, but um, it's just a phenomenal story. There are some phenomenal phenomenal visuals and a lot of fantastic uh, imagery. Really, some great acting. Ben Stiller uh, specifically just fucking nailed it with this one. Um, it's got a, a lot of good other uh, actors. Uh, Adam Scott does have a really bad fake beard, though. Uh, but Kristen Wiig is also in it. Um, Sean Penn, and it's just a fun, fun movie. And it's so, so beautiful. And it, I, this is one of those movies that I believe you have to watch before you die. It's, it's just a, it's just a great experience. And I, it's funny because a lot of the times I'll watch movies, and unless I'm watching them for my show. Or I have nothing else that day, I'm doing other things while I'm watching them and, and it sucks and I shouldn't do that. But this was one that just genuinely grabbed my attention the entire time. I was just glued to the screen watching this. Not because I'm like, oh my god, what's gonna happen next, but because I was just like, Wow, this is such a pretty movie. Like it's such a good movie. So definitely recommend that. I always over talk these, I feel like, but look, it's good. If you know what you what's good, if you know what's good, bro, then you're gonna they're gonna like this movie. Uh, next up is a song that I've been listening to a lot recently. It's called "Orphans" and it's by Coldplay. Um, I saw it perform on Saturday Night Live, and then I had to check it out. It's such a f- it's such a lovely, lovely song. I I loved Coldplay growing up, but over the years I found myself not listening to their stuff as much. But then this song brought me back. Um, it's just sort of I don't know. It's just a a nice fun beat, a nice fun. Uh, sound to it but it's also a really good point a really good story which is like I don't know it's just it's the whole idea of is kind of like wanting to reconnect with old friends and just wanting to go back to 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 feeling at home somewhere not going back home but back to feeling at home somewhere and and I don't know maybe it's just because I feel that now because it's like I'm here in Iowa and it doesn't feel like home I go back home and that doesn't feel like home anymore you know because it's like I'm not there a lot of the year, and when I'm there, it's like I'm visiting. It's not like I'm home. I'm just visiting. So it's so maybe it's because I'm having an existential crisis, and I don't even know when my home is, so maybe that's why I like it. But no, it's really good. I really recommend it. And last on the list is a podcast, specifically a podcast episode that I really recommend to any uh, aspiring filmmakers out there, uh, any person of color, uh Anybody or anybody that's just interested in listening to a really good interview with an, a funny, hilarious, amazing guy. Uh, the podcast is Visitations with Elijah Wood and Daniel Noah. It's a new podcast. And the episode I'm recommending specifically is the interview of Taika Waititi. So the episode title is just Taika Waititi. Um, and it's just them talking to Taika about his uh, his career, uh, how he made it out, his life story. And it's just beautiful. It's It was an inspiration to me because, you know, he came from nothing just like I came from nothing. And so if, if, I don't know, if you're interested in real human stories like that and just a fun interview, then I'd definitely, definitely recommend you check this out. Taika Waititi is one of my top, top favorite directors. Uh, I have to admit, I was a little late on the Taika um, uh, boat. I, I discovered him with Ragnarok, and, and I love Ragnarok, but I was like, there's got to be. And this can't be his best, and and not because it's bad, but I'm just, I don't, that's not right. But look, I I watched Ragnarok, and I knew I had to see his other work. Love What We Do in the Shadows, one of my favorite movies. Uh, Love Boy, I still have to see Hunt for the Wilder People and Jojo Rabbit and uh, Eagle versus Shark. But um, yeah, he's just a good, good, funny guy, and it's a great uh, podcast episode. Really, really interesting perspective into someone who has probably lived a much different life than you. So check that out. As an asteroid nears Earth, a man finds himself alone after his wife leaves in a panic. He decides to take a road trip to reunite with his high school sweetheart. Accompanying him is a neighbor who puts a wrench in his plan. That's a really bad summary from IMDb. Usually they're better at that, but that's that's what they're giving us. (laughs) Have you ever stopped and asked yourself what you would do if the world were to end the next week? Would you embark on a road trip to see all the things you never saw? Would you join your family and be a better brother, father, son, etc.? Would you watch all of your favorite movies? Would you tell that girl or boy that you have a crush on how you really feel? Would you finally tell your boss to just go fuck himself? We have all at some point or another thought about a scenario like this which is why I think that Lorraine Scafaria's 2012 film Seeking a Friend for the End of the World might resonate with so many people. Because it takes Armageddon and makes it about the people rather than the event. It portrays on screen what each of us might do, give in to our inhibitions and wildest desires, or live in denial and continue trying to live our day-to-day until the end. In Seeking a Friend for the End of the World, Scafaria presents the story of a man representing the two common human emotions that stick with us through our lives. Regret and remorse. Dodge is every person who was too afraid and let an opportunity pass him by. He's every person who settled. Settled for a job they don't care about, for a person they never truly loved, and for a life that, while on the surface, seemed like enough, was ultimately less than satisfactory. However, through the circumstances of this impending world-ending event, he now has the opportunity to at the very least try to die happily by maybe fixing one of his mistakes and reconnecting with the one he thought he let get away the story opens up with the news that the world is about to end dodge and his wife sit in their car and as the broad as the radio host concludes the announcement that the asteroid that the last uh, effort to destroy the asteroid has failed she leaves the car and runs away and he doesn't see her and we cut to a couple of days later and dodge has just tried to he's living in denial and he tries to go back to his day-to-day life selling insurance and you kind of see how the world is falling apart people are looting stores uh there's less and less people at dodge's work uh one of his uh his co-workers tells him that he that uh he just basically explains it like there's no point anymore to any of it um, and Dodge just goes back to to try to living his own life, um, tries to convince his his housekeeper to leave, but she won't. Uh, so he just concludes that she 's going to be there every day until the end, end of the world uh, and then he meets um, he sees his his neighbor having an argument with her boyfriend, and then that night she uh, she knocks on his window or she is crying outside of his window, and he invites her in, and they kind of get to know each other. Um, And, uh, she explains that she has this, this sort of, this, uh, disorder where she falls. She can basically sleep through anything. Anyway, next morning she does just that and sleeps like almost all day. She ends up going back to his apartment or an apartment, to her apartment. And, uh, as he's dropping her off at the door, she tells him, oh, hey, I've like been getting your mail for the past three years. Anyway, here's this, gives it to him. He goes back to his, uh, to his uh, apartment. And that's when he realizes that the love of his life, his high school sweetheart, Olivia had written to him months before, 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 uh, yeah, months before, um, telling him that she loved him and she regretted that they never got together, that she had a kid now, but she, her life was never as happy as it could have been with him and it destroys him. And and then as he's reading this, that's when the riots and the looters start. And so, um, he has to get out of he has to get out of there, and he goes and finds his neighbor and and her boyfriend, and he likes he's like yo we got to get out of this building because like people are, are starting to riot and loot and they're gonna burn this place down, so they they escape. Uh, they end up ditching the boyfriend because he's just the worst, uh, and uh, they uh, Kira Knightley's Penny and uh, Steve Carell's Dodge embark on this, on this this trip, cross country trip to uh, to find Olivia, and uh, and get. Uh, Penny to her family in England, because Dodge knows a man with an airplane. They run out of gas, they hitch a ride with this guy uh, in a truck who uh, thinks Dodge is an assassin that he hired to kill him. Turns out Dodge wasn't the assassin, but some other guy was. Guy kills the the, the truck driver, they take his truck, and they just start, You get, they kind of get into little, you know, there's little misadventures throughout the, uh, the journey, but as the journey goes on, Dodge soon starts to fall in love with uh, Penny. And um he, he gets to her to Olivia's house and he instead leaves a letter instead of facing her and he gets back into the car and Penny's like, What are you doing? And he's like, I left her a letter and then she's like, What? And then he's like, Anyway, we gotta we gotta go somewhere. So she doesn't tell her where he's going. They get to the place, they knock on the door, an old man answers the door, and uh it's uh, Dodge's father who hadn't been around a lot of his life because he kind of mentions that earlier on in the movie. Uh, they kind of reconnect and he asks him to 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 do him a favor. Uh, this is the man with the plane, and uh, you know they they uh, and at this point both Dodge and Penny are in love with each other and it's kind of they've accepted that um, and I think she assumes that Dodge is is gonna go. Well, actually, she doesn't really know that this is the guy with the plane. He, they have dinner and they have a great time, and they, you know, he reconnects with his father, and she, um, yeah, she just kind of accepts that she's going to spend the end of the world with this with uh, Dodge, because uh, she's fallen in love with him. But uh, when she falls asleep because of her condition, Dodge realizes it's the perfect opportunity, and he puts her on the plane, and he has her dad, his dad fly her to England and and he basically gives gives her up because he wants her to be happy in the end of her life rather than because he thinks that's what she wants the most instead of spending it with him and he leaves and uh he goes back to her apartment uh and he's listening to her records and then his dog oh yeah I forgot to say at some point uh someone abandons the dog and they leave it on him but uh the dog starts barking and he looks up and she's there and she's like, "I woke up halfway through, and I made him turn the plane around She's like, "Why would you leave me?" And he's like, "I don't know I was really stupid, I'm sorry, and they just finally embrace, and they lay down and um they just stare at each other as the as the world comes to an end, and you hear the asteroid uh come and enter the atmosphere, and then Dodge keeps her calm throughout the entire thing and The last thing we see is Penny's face, happy and content that she had finally found the love of her life. But see, there lies the kind of brilliance of this film. While the end of times is definitely an important part of the story, it is not the main focus. The main focus is instead on human emotion, human behavior, and ultimately about human connection. Dodge was never meant to get back with Olivia, but he was instead meant to find himself in his journey. His destination wasn't a person or place, it was a state of mind. He reaches this through the help of this manic pixie dream girl, Penny, who reminds him of everything he had left behind in life. And although throughout the entirety of the film, it seems as if Penny is the one saving and helping Dodge, in the end... He is ultimately the one who helps Penny in their final moments. And in what comes as a bit of an untraditional ending, they both die. There is no escape for them, no settling down and having kids. But they still live happily ever after, since there isn't an after at the conclusion of their story. And I love it. I love filmmakers and storytellers that are willing to go there to present non-traditional conclusions to their stories, because that is life. There isn't always happy endings, and you don't always get the outcome you want. But by doing this, filmmakers and writers do a brilliant thing. Much like life, they don't make it about the end, but rather about the journey. Now, let's get into what I liked and didn't like about this film. It should be stated that this has been on my list of favorite films for a long time, but it had been a while since I had last seen it, and at the end of my viewing, I still decided it belonged on my list. So, yeah, let's get into it. First things first, I do really like that opening. You really see the, the gravity and shock of the situation on Carell's face as the news is being uh, relayed on the radio. That line that is spoken by Carell about missing the exit is a sort of nice break from the silence of the opening. Really good depiction of how everything is going to shit at the end as the end of days approaches. Interesting to see how the different people deal with it. You know, there's these people who are just like enjoying life, like these surfers, and then there's these people who are survivalists who are looting everything they can because they're sure they're gonna probably going to go underground and try to survive it. And then there's Dodge. People like Dodge that are still going to work and trying to just live out their, their normal life until the end. That staff meeting is funny, but also like gut-wrenching. Because uh, the... The boss is like, "Hey, we have a new position. anybody want to be CFO and like people are crying, people are just like staring like like they can't believe this is happening. Like life is just crumbling for people. The interaction between Dodge and his uh, maid Elsa really lets you see how desperate he is for uh, human interaction. And it also lets you see how people like Elsa are choosing to just live life uh, as they had before Armageddon began dodge's coworker committing suicide and landing on his car is just fucking wow but it it's a real jump, but it's also it it's kind of meant kind of a dark humor kind of thing, but at the same time it's a good representation of the reality of the situation that's what would have happened. The continuous news coverage of the impending end really just like makes you feel the peril of it all, continuously reminding you, "Hey, these people are fucked like they're not getting out of this uh again the whole uh the whole adults letting the kids drink just shows you that everything is just fucking going to shit. People are just not giving a fuck anymore. I love that Patton Oswalt cameo. I'm a huge Patton Oswald fan. Love it. Uh, and I love Kira Knightley in this movie. She is so, so good. I mean, I have a huge crush on Kira Knightley, so that might be why, but I genuinely think she's really good in this movie. The world is ending, and to dub it all off, you find out your wife was cheating on you fucking awesome, uh, God, that park scene is, it's fucking, is really funny, because he's just, it's, you know, he's found out his wife is cheating, he's going out to buy the Windex that his maid keeps asking him for, and he ends up just fucking screaming at this couple that's making, uh, making out nearby, and then he just drinks the Windex, hoping it'll kill him, I don't know, but he ends up waking the next day, and that's when he gets sorry, uh, the dog who's left with just a note that says sorry, and that's why he names it that, uh, honestly, I would not be mad if I got stuck uh, stuck with a random dog at the end of the world. Though I'm just putting that out there, that'd be fucking better. Uh, the uh, uh, the boyfriend, uh, Keira Knightley's boyfriend, Penny's boyfriend. Uh, he's he's real fun. He's a real sort of break, uh, a real sort of um, levity to the whole situation. And I'd fucking love the line where Dodge comes in to tell him that they have to leave, and he's like, "You're cheating on me with this old guy." Oh, oh, what, do you have a job, Mr. Job? It's just fucking, it's f- fucking hilarious. I love Penny's line after uh, Glenn gets shot by the assassin. Uh, Glenn was the truck driver that picks him up, where she just goes, did you get the license plate? Like, that's gonna fucking make a difference in this situation. But it, again, it just, it's fun, because it sort of feels real. You know what I mean? Like, it, uh, it's these little things like that. They've built this, the, the, the what, uh, what Lorraine has really done in this uh, movie is she's built, she's done some good world building. She knows not to escape her boundaries, so she doesn't have to explain the world ending and how it's all happening, blah blah. She's kept a contained story, but with a good, it it sort of really makes you feel that it's a lived-in universe. Um, I really really like the conversation that Penny and Dodge have in the truck because that's uh, what this movie is at its core. It's about the apocalypse. It's just a background uh ultimately it's a movie about connection and, and interactions uh, uh community fans Brit is in this fucking british always ruining everything uh no but that's a fun cameo uh tj miller's also in it uh yeah he's fun i guess uh but maybe he's a dick we don't know well we do maybe i don't know it Th- doesn't matter I you know I just hate it when you're at a restaurant and the world is ending and then it turns into an orgy but like you just wanted to eat like you're not like no I don't want to or- orgy but you're kind of like I don't want to orgy right now I'm just really hungry. Uh I love that that uh Steve Carell puts the butt in his mouth when the the police officer pulls up while it's still lit. Uh really again really 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 love the little conversations between Dodge and Penny and the jail scene really just illustrates what's so great about them that's I don't know some pretty decent uh writing in this movie and uh yeah it's good I like it god Keira Knightley is just such a good actress the telephone scene fucking hell man she got me feeling for her and I'm not even hearing what the other people are saying on the other side of the telephone there is some great facial acting from both the leads in this movie just really good uh the people all lining up to be baptized on the beach is just such beautiful beautiful imagery uh, I love how all the people come together on the beach and just talk, like, they're they're not caring that these people are strangers and could probably be pedophiles and rapists and blah blah. blah. they're just talking, though, though they should care if they're pedophiles, I actually I wouldn't talk to a pedophile even if the world is ending, what the fuck is wrong with you man, the world ending does not la- let you get away with that, Martin Sheen is pretty great as Dodge's father, and their re- interaction is just real heart felt like that's that's not even the right way it's just real it feels genuine and it's real uh i love that shot of both frank and dodge playing their harmonicas uh together on the porch uh really good imagery there i love elsa and what she says to dodge in spanish kills me so when he comes back after he's left after he's told his dad to take penny across the pond uh he comes back and he finds elsa his mexican maid and he's like elsa go home like get the fuck out of here like the world is ending don't you have somewhere better to be? And she's like, in Spanish, she says, "Es que ustedes no me quiero ir," which is like, she's like, "You're my friend. And I, I don't want to go." Because and, and it's kind of a quick thing, but it's just telling you that like, there's people like Dodge that are like, so fucking freaked out by the whole situation that they can't help but try to live a normal life because otherwise they'll lose their fucking minds thinking about their impending doom. That lad brought the last broadcast and the. Final send off from the anchor. Oh man, it's real, real good. I really just made me, mm, got me right in the feels. Uh, good God, that ending scene. Just the two of them in bed, and Penny is freaking out, but Dodge has somehow, like again, like I said, he's now found himself in control of the situation, and he just calms her and keeps her calm right up until the end. I really, really liked that. But there are some things that I didn't like. Dodge's behavior and his characteristics, I just, uh, I feel like I've seen Steve Carell do this character already. And I get it, you know, characters, people, they're going to be similar. But I just wish he would have put a little something more into it, a little something different. Because a lot of the time I kept going, oh my God, you fucking stop being such a lame piece of, like, just stop being such a fucking lame sack, a fucking mopey mope. But, but, But at the same time, if he had done a little something different, then I really would have bought him as a Mopey Mope, a lot of the time I was like, it's Steve Carell acting like he's sad. And I shouldn't think that. I don't know. Just a little critique there. Um, Penny's sleep condition. Uh, It's mentioned at the beginning, and then just forgotten until it's once again convenient. Just, if they had just brought it up another time in the journey somewhere, it would have been nice, because then it would have felt like a real thing, and not just a story uh, element not just like a story, uh, story driving device, uh, and then finally, the guy from Hot Tub Time Machine, uh, Rob Corddry, he's in it, I don't know, I just, uh, I feel like he plays the same fucking character in every movie he's in, and I just, I'm not a fan of that d- 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 dumb, misogynistic fucking devil-may-care, schlemmy fucking character, I'm just, I've not, Hot Tub Time Machine is fun, But I'm just not a fan of that. Like, play a different character. Do a little something different. It's the same complaint I had about Steve Carell. Like, it's... Yeah, I don't know. It's just truly a beautiful film about two strangers coming together and finding beauty and human connection uh, in the end of days. With some pretty good performances from uh, some of the cast. Kira Knightley and Martin Sheen being standouts. And... I definitely recommend this one. It's not a perfect movie. No, it isn't by all means. And I can see why people find it corny or cheesy or blah, blah, blah. But I think it's a good movie to watch. I think it's an interesting movie and I recommend it. So it makes it a good movie, right? And with that, it's time to wrap the show up. If you like the show, make sure to leave a five-star review, which you can do in-app. I'd really appreciate it. Plus, it really, really helps the show. It'll take you like five seconds. And I'll read your review on the show. Give you a bit of a shout-out like it to the people who donated. You can support the show by going to patreon.com slash captainslogcast and donate a dollar. Or similarly, you can also donate whatever amount you like on Venmo by just Venmoing J-Valle27. J-V-A-L-L-E-27. Anything helps keep the lights on. Remember, if you donate, it all goes towards improving the show, getting better recording equipment, etc. So I don't have to, you know, the quality of the sound doesn't have to change from every episode because I'm finding times when I can come into the studio and other times when I have to do it in my dorm. If I could have, you know, if we could raise the funds to get legitimately good microphone and a good setup, that would be awesome, and the show would, and I'd be thankful to all of you. Um. Uh. But um. It also helps with my other creative endeavors, for example, my short films. And of course, if you donate, not only will I be really really thankful, uh and you'll help me on my creative journey, but you will also get a shout out on the show. Uh and I will I'm I'll I'll even consider doing a shout out on my social media pages uh for for people who donate exceptional amounts uh of uh of uh money. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at j.valle underscore and the show on Twitter at captainslogpod. Let's try to get the show Twitter to 50 followers, where well, I'm currently at 25, but I recommend movies on there and post show updates and tweet some occasionally funny things, so it's worth a follow, please. Please. Uh, you can also subscribe on YouTube, where you can find me as Jose Valle Jr. Uh, make sure to tell your friends and family about the show. And if you enjoy it, make sure to write into uh Make sure to write into captainslogcast at gmail.com with suggestions on episode topic. Uh, episode topics. I always say episode topic. Ah. Guess you'd like to have back or uh, recommendations for check this out. Make sure to subscribe and download on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play and other and other podcast directories. Uh, make sure to go check out static and the shadows now on YouTube. Uh, you can make sure to you know leave a like, leave a comment, show us some love. We put a lot of work and effort into it, and I would really, really, really appreciate it. Uh, but with that, we have reached the end of our show. Tune in next week at the same time and on the same frequency for another episode. That's a lie. Don't tune in next week. Next show will be in two weeks, uh, but at the same time, uh, I've been your captain, Jose Vaya Jr., and this has been Captain's Log, end of transmission. <laughs>